And we're continuing on our uh, series on shape. And basically what our series is all about is we believe that God created each one of you, whether you believe him or not, whether you know him or not, God is the one who created you. He was the one who gifted you, and he gifted you for a specific reason. And the only way, you, whether you believe him or not, the only way that you could find fulfillment in life is if you take how God created you and you live um, a life that's um, parallel to that. Um, and what happens is a lot of times we take a look at what the world wants. We take a look at what the world compensates, what the world values. And we said, you know what? I want to be like that. And there are so many people that are just so unhappy because they have chosen to, um, whether it's a career path, whether it's a major, whether certain decisions, they have chosen to live a life that's contrary to how God created them just so they could have the things that the um, this world um, says that they could offer you, only to find out that there's nothing but disappointment. And for us who are believers, the ultimate way for us to live our life is not only to live our life that's congruent with how God created us, but to do it for Him. To make Him the Lord, Lord and a Savior of our life and live our lives um, that way. And last week we talked about being other other center that you know God has given us amazing gifts and then he's given them not so we could just earn a living for ourselves not so we could just you know gain not notoriety for ourselves but you know he did this so we could care for other people that our view in life has to be definitely larger than our own self our own happiness and our own dreams and today we're going to talk about, you know, we're better together. We're better together. That each one of us, like it or not, we have weaknesses, right? We all have weaknesses. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to shore up your weaknesses, but it's really, really difficult to try to shore up your weaknesses, and so, you know, Andy Stanley, one of the pastors that, you know, one of my favorite pastors, he said, instead of always trying to shore up your weaknesses, concentrate on your strengths. And then bring people around you that could shore up your weaknesses. You know, and we see this in marriages, too. A lot of times um, we have couples that are very opposite of one another, Right, the personalities are different. Their strengths are different. Their weaknesses are different. Their passions are different. And why? Because I think subconsciously we look for people to help, you know, complete us. And so, you know, it's sometimes it's like two porcupines trying to huddle together to get warm. Right? It's like they get close to each other, then bang, bang, bang. It's like, ouch, ouch! Would you stop poking me? You know, and if a relationship feels that way. However, you know, for those of us who have been married for a long time, you've soon realized that, you know what? My spouse, my wife is perfect for me. That rather than trying to change my spouse so she could be like me, is to accept her for the strength or accept him for the strength and say, you know what? This person complements my weaknesses. Right? We are better together. And, you know, couples, you might be sitting here today saying, you know what, Pastor, sorry, what I'm going through right now, I just disagree. We might be better apart than we are together. 
But you know what, God? You know, brought you together. You know, when you stand, stood at that altar, you said, God, you know what? I'm going to do my best to um, keep our covenant that we made before you. And to realize that, you know what? Maybe I'm not seeing things through your eyes. Maybe I'm not seeing my situation through your eyes. Maybe I'm not seeing this person through your eyes. But this person brings strength to our relationship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because I know a lot of times when you think about shape, you talk about, okay, the body of Christ and how do we fit in to the body of Christ. And I've shared on that today. But today we're going to talk about, you know, that, you know, God's given us a certain shape, that we are better together, that when we are going through difficult times, it is better to be in community than to be isolated. And in his book, um, shaped by Eric Reese. He tells us one story um, about this person he knew, and he called him Jeff. And see if you might um, find maybe some of your life in this story. And he said, longing to explore other possibilities in his life, Jeff decided to sell his share of business to his partner. For six months, however, Jeff found nothing but closed doors. What went wrong? Had he made the wrong decision? He had been so sure that God was leading him to do something that would make a bigger impact for the kingdom. However, he grew more and more depressed about his circumstances. And one day, Jeff hit rock bottom. He couldn't even get out of bed. He didn't recognize that the enemy was trying to sabotage his spiritual effectiveness. But God knew just what Jeff needed. He drew four men to stand with Jeff. Friends who deeply loved him and were committed to helping him endure and grow during that faith-stretching season. This band of brothers spent time listening, encouraging, and challenging Jeff to get back with God and to start taking action with his life again. If those four guys had not rallied around Jeff during that dark hour, he may not be where he is with God today. Have you ever had a situation where you faced rock bottom? Or maybe you're sitting here right now going down that slope and you're just saying, oh man, it's only time to lie here rock bottom. And we're going to talk about the, um, uh, the solution is not isolation, but the solution is community. And if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting from verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting with verse 9. This is what Solomon writes. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Now, for those of you who are getting older, you might relate to this. For those of you who have been caregivers, you might relate to this also. Because I know there were times when my in-laws, you know, they fell and they couldn't get up. They couldn't get up. And, you know, they were just, uh, and they didn't call us. You know, because they didn't want to impose on us. So they just put a blanket on themselves and laid on the floor until they called us the next morning and we could come and pick them up. But once again, this saying, you know, if you fall down, he said, pity the person who doesn't have anybody to help them up. 
And he says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Through Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so here the author is talking about the benefits of being in community. That two is better than one. That there is safety in numbers. Now that safety just might be a perception, right? Um, you know, when we go to family camp, Almost every single night, there's a group of um, couples in a group that rent this big house. And we all go there and we socialize late at night. But then it's time to go. And so I have to, you know, we have to go back to our place where we're going. And a lot of, you know, before last year, the, the path was not, was not lit very well. Right? And I remember sometimes coming back from that um, house and it's just, man, is there going to be a mountain lion just going to jump out at me? And it's pretty dark. It's pretty scary. And all of these horror films are coming up into my mind. And it's scary, right, when I do it alone. However, sometimes I'm with grace. And I'm less afraid. Now, I know grace isn't going to do anything to stop, you know, a mountain lion, you know, or anything like that. But just having her with me gives me comfort. You know, even this past time, Grace and I would walk with um, Chet and Carol Yoshizaki because we were saying, and once again, there is comfort in numbers, meaning that, hey, Chet's the chairman of our board, so if a mountain lion comes out, he's going to take that bullet for me, hopefully, you know? <laughs> but, you know, the, just to have somebody with you, there's emotional strength in that. You know, and people ask me, when I go to the hospital, when I go to the hospital, what do I say? Because people are afraid to visit people in the hospital. Why? Because they don't know what to say. People don't know what to say. And you know what I said? I said, you know what? 80% of the time, I don't say a whole lot. Because almost 100% of the time, I have no answers. You know, when I'm sitting with a person who's dying with a mortal illness, you know... You know, and they ask me, why is God allowing this? I have no clue. I have no clue. You know, and, but just my presence there, you know, makes a difference. So I want to encourage each one of you, if you know somebody that's in the hospital, if you know when that's somebody that's sick, just go and don't be afraid of what you're going to say. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I don't have the answers. Just your presence alone makes a huge difference. And any of you who have been visited by somebody in the hospital, you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because two is better um, than one. You know, First Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Sorry, this isn't up there. It says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Looking for someone to devour. Okay? Who's he trying to devour? Pretty much he's trying, trying to devour everybody, but he has his target. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you better believe that Satan's coming after you. And in the way that he talks about this, it says he, he's not looking for somebody to irritate. You know? He's not looking for somebody to agitate. He's not looking for somebody to help lose their patience. What does Peter say? He said he's looking for somebody to devour. Satan 
Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy our life and to destroy our testimony. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. And he is relentless. He does not sleep. But you know, praise God, neither does God. God doesn't sleep. And God is relentless in his protection of us. But part of his plan of providing protection and comfort against an enemy that's wanting to devour us is what? Is us. It's us. You know, God could just, boom, with, if he wanted to, he could just destroy Satan just like that. If God wanted to, he could snap his fingers and our problems would be solved. But he did not choose that way. He knows there's an enemy out there. But he's chosen each one of us to be a part of protection, his protection plan of his saints. You know, we, you've seen enough um, uh, nat- uh, National Geographic shows to know that, you know, lions, they always either ch- uh, go after the weakest animal in the herd or they try to separate one person, what one person, one uh, animal from the herd. That's how they do it. Because if they could separate one buffalo, one gazelle from the herd, they know that they could kill this one animal. And that's Satan's strategy, is if he could separate you from this herd, he knows he's got a good chance to get you. I mean, how many of us, including myself, have made poor decisions in life that affected our family, that affected ourselves that affected our friends that could have been avoided if we had somebody walking alongside us if we had somebody saying dave what are you thinking that's a lot of money to invest in this risky stock you know don't do it you know how many times our mistakes could have not been made if we had somebody Around us. Now, it doesn't mean that our mistakes are bad because God uses these things to um, help grow us. But just think of how it could have turned out if we had others around us who were using their shape, who were using their giftedness to help me in the areas of my weakness. You know, and the author of Hebrews says this. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good needs, deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Once again, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the day just, when you ever see the day in the Bible, and it's with a capital D, it's referring to the second coming of Christ. Now, if you read scripture, you'll see that when you see the second coming of Christ, yes, there's glory after that. But what's coming before that is a lot of trials and tribulation. There is this tribulation period coming that um, Bible scholars think that it's a seven-year period. And it is called, 
aptly so the tribulation. And it'll, it's supposed to be the worst seven years in the history of this world when it comes to evil and violence. And so he's talking about this. And, you know, at that time, they thought Jesus was coming soon because the church was being persecuted. They were going through difficult times. But he says this. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, what he's saying here, it's not something that, you know, okay, when tough times come, you tend to isolate yourself. Because, you know, we all do that from time to time. When difficult times come, what do we do? We isolate ourselves rather than bringing other people who can help us, right? But what he's saying here is don't, there are some who have a habit of doing it. This is their pattern. This is how they experience and this is how they deal with trials. He said when they deal with trials, the first thing they do is they leave. And in this case, it's the church. The church is being persecuted, so what do they do? They go, oh, you know what? I don't want any of this, so I am going to isolate myself. Okay? I'm going to not be a part of this community. And sometimes there are problems that happen within our church. You know, people are people. You know, sometimes relationships, you know, end up, we end up arguing with one another. But what does it say? It says, don't give up meeting together. Because if you're having problems, maybe within the church, and you decide to isolate yourself, guess what? Satan and his lion pride are just waiting for that. They're waiting to isolate you so they could um, get you. Community um, provides strength for the hurting, while isolation leaves you Vulnerable. So if you're sitting here right now and you're going through a difficult time, remember there is strength in community. However, isolation will leave you vulnerable to our enemy. That there is strength in community. And what we're going to do right now is we are going to show that there is strength in community and that we're, we're going to have an open mic time of prayer. And we're going to be praying for two things. We're going to be praying for the family and friends of the 12 people who lost their lives in the borderline barn grill in Thousand Oaks. We're going to be praying for the survivors. You know, this past week, oh, just, uh, what's well, past week? On Friday, um, we had the InterVarsity International Student Fellowship here at Mission Valley. And there are about 100 college kids here. And, but one of the sobering facts was this incident touched all their hearts. Because number one, it was their peer age. It was college night there. And some of them, you know, um, have friends who, you know, frequent this place on college night where they line dance and things like that. And it's interesting where one of the um, headlines that one of the students who was at that scene said they thought this was a safe place. They thought Thousand Oaks was a safe place. And then they came to the conclusion there is no safe place. 
know, this wasn't the inner city. You know, this was our suburbs, Thousand Oaks. However, you know, we have safety in our community here. We have safety because there's a God who loves us. And no matter what happens, that God has won the war. And so we are going to pray for that situation. We're also going to be praying for the fires. For the, 20, for the families and friends of the 23 who died. And there are 100 still unaccounted for. For those in paradise who 80 to 90% of the homes are destroyed. You know, my son Michael has a, uh, uh, one of his friends at Azusa Pacific. His house was destroyed because of that, you know, fire. There are 300 people, both in Northern Cal and Southern Cal, who were displaced due to the fires. But there's something that bothers me, and it's when you hear this phrase, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And especially when people who say that have no intent on praying for that situation. That bothers me. But what bothers me even more are the people, and understandably so, who see that as a catchphrase, that don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. When prayer is the most powerful weapon we have, it's marshalling God and his resources to come and bring healing and comfort in that situation. And when people are so jaded against hearing that, they said, I don't want to hear that. But we're here to show them that prayer does matter. That it's not just a catchphrase to God, right? That when we pray for God, he listens and that God answers our prayer. So what we're going to do right now is I'm, I'm going to have a mic here. And Caitlin, could you um, come forward? And this is our weekly challenge. I'm going to challenge some of you to come up and pray publicly. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about that you don't know the right religious words to say. Because God is not concerned about your religiosity. He's concerned about this. And if all your prayer is God, just please help them. Please help the, uh, be, let the hurting families know that you're with them. Hey, that's a, you know, wonderful prayer. Okay, and that's our challenge. And so I know it's scary. It's not easy to come forward. But that's what we're, I'm challenging you, you know, this morning to do. And if you don't feel like coming up, please pray in your seat. Could you go to the uh, slide that we have on this? And we're going to first pray for those. Um, Craig, if, for those, these are the victims who lost their lives in the shooting. We're going to pray for their friends. We're going to pray for their family members. We're going to pray for the survivors in the community first. And so if you feel led... Could we just all bow our heads right now? And you could pray. And if God feel, you feel God calling you to come forward and pray for this situation, uh, please do so.